This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. Six friends were chosen to stay the night. We're in! In the house of the world's most notorious serial killer. Every time I let you two talk me into something, I live to regret it. But on July 12th, the broadcast is live. But the house... Scared? No. ...is his... Halloween Resurrection. Oh, Michael. I knew you'd come sooner or later. Radar in theaters everywhere Friday, July 12th. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration. This show you are listening to this evening is sequel to Deja Vu, where we cover all the, the good, the bad, and the quite ugly of the sequel world. The sequels that we love and some that we love to hate. And this weekend, we are covering a... Whew, we're covering a stinker. We're covering quite quite a fucking stinker. And joining me for skewering this uh, really, really bad sequel we're covering this evening is my good friend Daniel Goad. How are we doing today, Daniel? Doing fantastic, Cameron. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm sorry uh, that I, I picked such a, a doozy for us. <laughs> but what we're covering today, for those of you who love this series... Hopefully, not too many of you have much love for this movie because we're gonna we're gonna be disappointing you. We are covering Halloween Resurrection from two thousand two, and you know we we have a lot of love for sequels on this show. You know, uh, I I love sequels that expand upon you know the story and the mythos and the legend. You know, uh, of different series, not just Halloween, but my God Almighty, uh, whoo! This uh, this will take a, a God fearing man and turn him into an atheist. I'll tell you, this movie is bad. <laughs> it's bad, real bad. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with it, this was supposed to be the last chapter of the Laurie Strode, you know, uh, series. You know, we all know that didn't happen. They reinvented it sixteen years later with Halloween twenty eighteen. And you know, they have two more sequels coming out that are supposed to round out the the Halloween 
Laurie Strode angle, you know, but there's so many timelines. I, th- I think you would probably agree with me, Daniel, that the timelines within the Halloween franchise between the remakes and the reboots and the reimaginings is a little convoluted. To say the least. I mean, without going too much into like the politics of John Carpenter and, and all the stuff of what happened like in the background of why there's such a broken timeline and like the disconnect between who's funding the movie and who's actually enjoying like writing for it and making a cohesive story. But yeah, it's broken and it's really, but it's gotten better. Like I do like the, I enjoyed Rob Zombie's reiteration and I'm liking this newer continuity. I kind of like that. They just said, well, let's just say that all the other ones aren't Canon kind of like the Disney star Wars thing. But yeah, yeah, to say that the timeline is broken, it's it's an understatement. And I, I can get why some people would just be like, nah, I'm done with it, because it's confusing. Right. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, you have the, the Jamie Lloyd series. You got the Laurie Strode kind of series. You got the Rob Zombie series. You have the, you know, the, the Loomis uh, angle. You Then you have Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which is a standalone all in a, of itself. Well, it's even but, the motivation, like like legacy characters that we have, like Jason and Freddy and all these other people, like you should have like a, a streamlined focus of what your killer, monster, the shape, whatever that you're doing. Michael's like all over the place. He just doesn't I mean he, yes, he wants to kill his sister, but then sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> sometimes he's more focused <laughs> on like an NPC in the in the in the thing and just an extra. So he's like he's all over the place. And then all the right. other uh, conspiracies like I like the the H2O like copycat killer theory thing that was the, the original script like all that other stuff but like it's confusing yeah yeah I mean because you have you know the the, the Jamie Lloyd kind of trilogy you know you got the the Laurie Strode angle it's kind of like with the Friday the 13th you know you had the Tommy Jarvis trilogy and, and but you know there was a progression with the characters within the Jason series that at least for the most part made sense and, you know, with, with even with Chucky, you know, in the Child's Play series with the Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, you know, the progression of it made sense. They made reference to the other movies, you know, and they paid attention to certain things. Sometimes not so well, but with this movie, whew, you know, it, this is a movie that made me think, well, okay, well, they're finally putting, you know, the final nail in the coffin and good riddance. But thankfully they they reinvented it i i do like um rob zombie's halloween uh i i like the the 2018 version and where they're going with that but uh, before we get way 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 too ahead of ourselves let me go ahead and for the listeners give them the quick little uh imdb synopsis uh three years after he last terrorized his sister michael myers confronts her once again before traveling to haddonfield to deal with the cast and crew of a reality show which is being broadcast from his old home and that you know sounds i guess yeah i don't know i was gonna say it sounds more interesting than it is but it it doesn't really sound that interesting they you know i remember when this came out i saw it in theaters and I was excited for it because I was like, ah, you know, found footage. Found footage was kind of, you know, making some big rounds at the time. And I was like, this could be interesting. I, I like the idea. But his poor execution. And let's, and let's start off with the, the most horrible thing that they did. The, the horrible retconning of H2O. Now, I know H2O, to me, 
I, I saw it in theaters a couple of the times. I enjoyed it quite a bit when it came out. It has not aged well for me. I, I still like it, but I don't love it, if that makes sense. No, it, it totally makes sense, because there's always like a an opinion that you, you can't get rid of. Like Either if it's the first time you watch it or something that's a glaring problem, it kind of like taints the whole thing. So no, I, I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked where they were going with it, with, you know, uh, Laurie Strode kind of being in hiding and, you know, always kind of, uh, you know, be, being on the watch for Michael being, you know, on guard and whatnot. Yeah, I liked that reiteration of bringing Laurie back into it. But it just some of the angles, it, it just felt a little too Scream-like for me, a little too Wes Craven-ish. And not, not that I'm dissing Wes Craven, but uh, you had made a, uh, a comment and when we were going back and forth in our, our Facebook message and back and forth that this felt like they were trying to emulate Wes Craven. They were going very meta with it. And I, I, I saw what they were going for, but they just missed the mark. Totally. Like that's, yeah, that's why I brought up that kind of like similarity because I, I honestly really enjoyed H2O and I kind of feel like if they would have continued with that kind of um, that momentum and story, it, it would have been okay. But I think that they just threw all of that out and it, I, <laughs> I consider resurrection almost like a fan film because it doesn't yes. even, everything is just awful. I mean, we'll talk about the mask and stuff and, and how he looks and, um, the the way that the the film is shot and kind of like the fad things that's in it like the product placement of that stupid flip phone tablet pocket thing but like <laughs> yeah i just don't <laughs> i just don't understand the the motivation behind the the movie and then just like even having Jamie Lee Curtis not even want to be a part of it like that should be that should be like a hint and the, and just all the other stuff, like, again, like why the director that's directing it is a part of it and kind of like the, again, the behind the scenes of why Carpenter was so angry and the, the fighting over, like, who can do what with the story. So to me, this is a fan film. This is not like, well, it's already thrown out in chronological canon or whatever, but like rewatching this, I just hated it. I felt bad for the people who had put so much effort in some of the other ones in, in previous years that were so good. And then just probably how this was received when it released. Well, you know, you made a good point when you said that, you know, Jamie Lee didn't even want to be involved with it. You know, it was pretty well documented. And he tried to say that, Oh, she was so excited for it. And why she came back and she was straight up. just like, no, no, I did not want to do this. I was contractually obligated to do this, you know, do the movie because she was contractually obligated when she signed on to do H2O that she had to sign on to do a sequel to even get that movie made. And the fact that they just wrote her character off, kill her off in the first, what, five to 10 minutes. It, yeah. And it, it was and, such, Oh my God. Like we can break it down when we start going like throughout the movie, but like all of that, again, it's like scream. It's like getting Drew Barrymore in your opening and subverting the audience's expectation that, the story will continue like how you'll expect. Like they had a good idea to completely wreck what you think the movie is going to be about. But then the rest of the movie is a paint by numbers going into each room and just killing these horny teenagers. Like, like it's like they just gave up. It's like, they're like, well, we have like 
obviously Laurie Strode doesn't want to be a part of it. We'll kill her off in the first 10 minutes. And then he goes home and then just kills some random people. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I just don't get, that's where I was talking about the motivation. Like you would think that he finally killed her. He's done, but no, it's the whole other aspect of him that he just wants to be a killing uh, machine. It, it's, oh, it's, God, it's just garbage. Yeah. And, you know, the way it starts off, I mean, it has some promise. You think it's like, okay, you know, here's Lori. She's, you know, distraught over the years, you know, for what happened in H2O, which I thought was a, you know, it, it should have like hinted right from the beginning of how bad it was going to be. The the way they retconned that, that, that bumping off of Michael and decapitating at the end of H2O, well, you know, I just want to make a comment. With retconning, like I, I was looking at the the info, like the the trivia of this movie, and just from the poster alone, they didn't even take new photos of Jamie Lee Curtis for promotional material. It's the same photos from the cover of H two O. They didn't even yeah. take new photos. Of her. <laughs> right. Like none of that speaks to it. Just it, you don't trust the movie. Like it, like right off the bat, it's just like I'm not in good hands. And not in a good way. Like, I know, like, some movies you feel very uncomfortable and unsettled, and that's the whole part of getting you, like, into the thing. No, this just feels like you're being forced to watch, like, a college, like, fan film that has no no promise. Yeah, a fan film that somehow they had some money and got Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, to spend two hours to film something. And I've I've seen quite a few fan films, uh, Friday the 13th fan films and Halloween fan films and whatnot. But my Lord, I'm telling you, some of those fan films were better than this, better than something released by, you know, Dimension Pictures, you know, a studio that had millions behind it and actually had, you know, brought Rick Rosenthal back. You know, that's something we'll touch base on later. But Rick Rosenthal directed what least I consider to be the best Halloween movie. Now, I'll probably get skewered for, for this one, I like Halloween 2 more than Halloween 1. It's a very close neck and neck. I think they're both fantastic films. They're both legendary, like just great films. But I, I love Halloween 2. I just think it, it came out at that time when I was, you know, five, six years old. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't have been watching these kind of movies, but I was anyway. And still, like, is one of the, one of the main reasons that I still have a fear of hospitals to this day. And to me, it's just... How did Rick Rosenthal direct what I consider to be the best Halloween film and direct the worst one? It's just like, was it just merely like, hey, it's a paycheck? It does what it felt like. It was a paycheck film. I it just. But <laughs> I agree with. I agree. Halloween Two is one of my favorite ones, and I actually felt really, really bad when they were doing the the new series of Halloween, and that one no longer exists in canon. And I thought that was yeah. extremely stupid because just how like Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 is like one whole movie, Halloween 1 and 2 is one whole movie. It's the same night. It's a continuation. Why? I don't understand. Like, uh, I just hate that they like cut that away. But no, I Halloween 2, I agree, is, is probably one of my, my favorites as well. Um, I just don't. I don't know. I would personally not want to be in those kind of like speakerphone roundtable meetings when this movie was being pre-produced. Like, I feel like that was just a nightmare. So I don't know. It definitely came on screen uh, 
showing probably what they had to deal with. And they're like, well, we have to make this movie anyway now, or we'll be sued or, you know, fine or something. Just like, well, we'll just make it as much as much as we can. And then we'll get into like, I would say the difficulty of the editing of this movie, because there's like 11 cameras that they have to edit. So like, I don't know. We'll get we'll get into those details. Yeah, well, I mean, let's let's get into how how it really starts. I mean, Jamie Lee or Laurie Strode, you know, from the from the previous film H two O has been in a, an institution for three years because turns out that she did not decapitate Michael Myers at the end of H two O as as previously thought. That it was Michael had gotten one of the uh, paramedics, crushed his larynx, put the mask on him, and then you know, escaped, not really escaping, walking around like, you know, he's supposed to be in like fully burned from head to toe anyway, but he was in the paramedics outfit with the big butcher knife. Nobody notices that this guy that exactly dressed up as a paramedic, is carrying around a bloody butcher knife. And is this kind of like Lottie da walking away? Because, like what I was thinking of, cause I, I didn't remember a lot of details from this movie, honestly. Like I remember oh, me either. The- some some bigger high points like I remember Busta Rhymes and I remember the the found footage the uh, the technically the streaming aspect of it which at that point was like all the rage and let's you know the kids want streaming and internet and all that stuff so I remembered a lot of that stuff but I forgot that three years had passed what is Michael Myers doing for three years why why the gap like why was that written into <laughs> the story like what is yeah. he doing does is he crocheting is he does he have another hobby that he wants no he all he has is lori like why wait three years i just didn't get that it made no sense to me uh, I, I mean i could understand if it was another year like he seems to like you know hibernate until halloween but like what did he do for those other three exactly it's like know, he took a sabbatical the... or something it's like no nah, i'm gonna go on holiday i'll come back yeah, he's got a wife and kids in suburbia somewhere, and he's just like, I got to, you know, got to take the kids to soccer practice. I don't, I don't know, but the whole idea, you know, of, of Lori being, you know, in this catatonic state or supposed catatonic state, because you know, hey, she's smarter than that. She's been taking her pills and stuffing them in a Raggedy Ann doll, which was just like, why didn't she just flush them? Why does she keep them in this doll that to, to be found later on? You know, I mean, I don't. Didn't they, get it, but I think, I think those are decisions put in the story to add to like the emphasis of it, and it's just like the audience won't know any better. But yeah, why did she collect them? Like, do you need them? <laughs> in, how many? That, or maybe like, well, I don't want to go in like reading between the lines, but like she may have wanted to overdose eventually, maybe as a backup plan. Like if if like if if she just got rid of herself, Michael Myers wouldn't have the satisfaction. I don't know, but that's reading too much into the. Subbed, subtext. Right, right. But then, you know, okay, I mean, uh, they bring the new orderly in basically for the sake of expo- exposition to explain to you and get the flashback stage 2-0 and so they could retcon that ending and say, listen, Michael Myers is still out there. And, of course, this particular night, and I mean, Michael Myers happens to be waiting outside the place. He infiltrates the institution, and then you get what I had remembered this is the scene that, that I remembered being the only one that was kind of good, and it still didn't uh, age well. It was the, the 
the character Harold that's an inmate that's emulating uh, John Wayne Gacy, and he would, just, you know, they'd find him wandering the grounds, and he would be like, "I'm John Wayne Gacy, born in 19 such and such, killed X amount of people," and you know, he was a, you know, uh, an expert savant in serial killers. And there's the scene, you know, like when once Michael shows up and starts walking the halls, and I just remembered him walking by. And him looking up with admiration and be like, oh, Michael Myers, born October, blah, 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 1957. I remember liking that scene and being like, oh, that was cool. You know, back in the day, 19 years ago. But that still didn't even age well to me. It was just because, like, I started, when I was listening to him, he got the, he got the dates wrong and he got the numbers wrong. Yeah, like he like I looked at that too. Like he had some of the people, the body count, uh, wrong. I would actually like to like make a side note of that. Like when they were describing Michael, like always inside the context of Haddonfield, like in the uh, in inside the movie, uh, what's it called, realm or whatever. He's always described as like the most profound serial killer, or or he's got the most uh, kills underneath his belt. I don't understand that. There's there's other people if they're excluding other like prominent serial killers that have killed more people in more horrifying ways than Michael Myers. I just don't get that aspect of always continuing to put him on like a different pedestal. He just literally kills people with a knife and then leaves them. M- mainly, he, he uses other objects, but like there's way other people that like are in the world that we're in like it's not like a separate universe. I don't know. I, I get really mad at like the the small things, but like just like he's not really that well, that bad compared to other people that could have existed in this world. Because I would I would feel that Haddonfield is in the United States. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just something I think about. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like they they built it up a lot bigger than it than it needed to be. It just it just doesn't really. It just, uh, yeah, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And we get to the how Lori, you know, tricks Michael. We have a, a sort of homage. There's a lot of homages and, you know, winks and nods to Halloween 2 being this the director from Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2. And, you know, like he shows up and he's, you know, he uh, Lori tricks him by stuffing some pillows underneath her you know, bl- blanket to make it look like she's in, in the bed and whatnot. And, you know, she cracks him over the head with a lamp and tr- tricks to, tr- tricks him to run upstairs and has, like, I, I-, I want to know, like, where in this institution she was able to get, like, a pulley system with, uh, you know, a rope set up to a snare rope, you know, to trick exactly. Michael and snatch his leg up and held him over the side. Did nobody notice this thing being built? Nope. I just think a lot of that stuff is just let's add it in and hopefully no one asks questions. Like for like well, it, 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 it treats the audience as if they're idiots, and that's what I hate about it. It, it treats the audience like they're a bunch of idiots. I'm smarter than that. Like if this is an asylum, how did she have access to the roof? That's not okay. Like it's just it's just stupid. I mean, like in the whole idea that she has him. She has him, and she gets she's stupid enough to get close enough to try to pull the mask off. Of course, you know, he stabs her in the back and then drops her off the side of the building, and that's how they're going to lazily. The horrible bumping off of Laurie Strode is, as I, I think in my notes, 
if I were to actually sit here and count, I probably wrote lazy or so lazy and bad at least six or seven times. Like how they do things, not just in how they bumped off Laurie Strode, but how they brought back Michael Myers, how they retconned the ending. But I mean, yeah, okay, like Michael tricks her, stabs her in the back with the knife. She kisses him on the mask and says, I'll see you in hell, Michael. Such a lame, just like they couldn't. Lazy writing, just lazy writing. And that's that's our intro, you know, and then they bump off. Laurie Strode, apparently for all time, but, you know, thankfully, thankfully, the Halloween 2018 retconned that as well. <laughs> and, you know, and in a good way. I know there's some people on both sides of the fence that love and hate the Halloween 2018 version. Um, I, I like it. I liked it a lot. I, I love what they did, other than uh, canceling out uh, Halloween 2, which was my favorite one. But I can live with that because it doesn't mean that movie doesn't exist. It just means in that timeline it doesn't exist. And then the Halloween timeline of and the consistency and the continuity of things, it's all over the place, like we talked about already. You know, it really just to pick and choose. I mean, at this point, because again, like it's not the same as one of the other stand like millions of other standalone horror movies. Like it, once you have a character that can't die or dies but comes back, the the rules are broken all the time about what kind of abilities they have what what kind of attributes can they uh come up with like what they do there's no background they're very ominous especially if they don't talk and you can just do whatever you want with so like with as many movies as michael myers has been well even not in because season of the witch um you can just pick and choose whichever one you want to go with like i do that now with star wars like it's just like nah, those don't exist to me. So like, <laughs> I just think it's but it's up to and it's like yeah. how you said like when you were describing. I mean, a lot of the movies that now we've done podcasts on, you have a certain hold on them because of when you watch them or like the age that you were and like the connection that you had with them. So I know a lot of people that grew up like Halloween four or five was like their their first one and like that's their favorite because like that's what made them scared of the dark or um like scared of michael and then you have people that like hate rob zombies iteration but i'm sure there's people that love resurrection so i mean it's you know pick and choose what you want yeah it's all very it's very subjective you know that that if we all like the same thing it'd be a boring world because it'd only be one movie you know and uh but I, I I would argue the point that this is a good movie with anybody, because wow, it, there's I mean it's a completed film, so I won't give it zero stars. We'll give it in my rating, you know. Of course, at the end of the show, as we usually do, but you know, I I have very rarely, if ever, um, given a zero to a film. Because I figure if you make a completed film and you complete it from beginning to end and release it and it's out there for the world to see, then it deserves at least a one. Exactly. And that's I just two on IMDb. So two two out of ten. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's pretty generous, you know, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's doubled in the lowest score. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did want to just go over, like, some details of, like, context. Because um, 19 years ago, is a really long time. And I don't know if people really remember kind of what was going on in the world when this movie came out, especially because it it hinders on technology and websites and chat rooms and kind of that fad of what was going on. 
So if you're okay with it, I'd like to just go over like some small details of like what happened in 2002, oh, just to, just to have people remember what what life was like back then. Oh yeah, go right for it, man. So YouTube wasn't a thing; it wasn't invented. So just for any of the young young youngsters listening, YouTube wasn't even an idea. It just wasn't a thing. Uh, Windows XP had just released; it was brand new. Vista hadn't come out yet. So right, right there, you know the limitations of like internet usage and the commodity that having a computer was. So with the streaming idea that this movie centers around, it's really cool. It's really neat. But I know that a lot of movies that were around that time were trying to take advantage of putting that kind of modern twist onto things and having a very new sense of what's how to digest the media so like the the webcams and having the body cameras and microphones is kind of cool but uh, i mean it was just, all very new thing at the time and they were definitely trying to capitalize on it but um one of the other things that i was trying to remember myself of like what was going on some of the highest grossing films that came out in the same year as halloween resurrection we have the two towers in the lord of the rings saga uh, we have Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Spider-Man. Do you remember when Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man? <laughs> um, Attack of the Clones, yep. Star Wars. Oh, Toby. And then Signs. You know, Signs came out. So, like, there's there's a lot of movies that were around that time frame that were pushing, especially Minority Report, because that one came out that year too, and it was pushing that um, bridge between technology and what's going on. So, it had the right idea. But hopefully that kind of puts it in perspective of of our audience, of just what was going on in the world at that that time. Well, I mean, think about it. Just the year before 9-11 had happened. So, I mean, it was that it's been that long ago, you know, and, and it doesn't seem like it, it, it you know, I mean, uh, but it has, you know, nearly 20 years has passed and, and, you know, technology has made leaps and bounds strides at the, you know since since then and you, you see some of that outdated uh, technology and just what texting was even like or you know emailing and whatnot and those little like uh, we were talking before the show you know talking about those little handheld devices that they were using and whatnot you know i don't even know what they called those back then. uh they were pocket pdas so. oh gosh so I remember like some of the some of the ones that came out and like I know I know there's always product placement with some movies. I mean most of the time it's action movies. There are some that do it through horror um and a lot of it is kind of that I mean I don't want to blame the MTV generation. Like I don't want to sound cliché or stereotypical, but it really melded the world between like music videos and the people who got really talented at directing music videos and then did movies. And then some of them were really successful. Like there's a lot of people who were directors of music videos who became really prominent either producers or directors of films. But like all of that stuff kind of like melds together. But yeah, watching this in in 2021 with a pocket PDA that I know didn't operate that way. Like they were being exaggerative of how it worked. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just seeing, just seeing the computers and stuff. I mean, I know that like when we watch Tron and when we watch, um, 
like movies like Swordfish or Hackers, like just different things that that are centered around technology. Obviously, it dates it. Like it immediately dates the movie. It could kill it for like rewatching it later down the road. Um, but like we just you know watched uh, the thing and talked about it. That movie obviously dates itself because of how old it is and like what they what technology they're using in the movie. But sometimes it helps because you're suspending your disbelief and you're in that world in that time. But then it's movies like this that it's only focusing on the cameras and then the cameras within the movie and then the technology that is a plot point. Like the PDA that she was using is a plot point. It's the same thing as, um, uh, oh, I can't remember the movie, but cell phones have become like a, a thing within most horror movies because that's your link to the outside world. So if there's like a killer or a stalker or something, your battery's always at 9% or something, or the ringer goes off and you're hiding under the bed. Like there's a lot of stuff that. Right, right. (laughs) But man, was it just underutilized and just different things of, um, (laughs) of just what they did in the movie. Well, I mean, let's get into the, you know, the main plot point of the movie is that Buster Rhymes playing uh, Freddy, Freddy Harris, which I thought also his name, Freddy, like, come on, are you even trying here? Yeah, they did a lot of, (laughs) you know, there's some specific, like inside jokes. Well, the one character was named, you know, uh, Katie uh, Sackhoff, you know, who was, Let's get into. Let's, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but you know the casting in this movie had some good had some good people in. I mean, had Jamie Lee bumped off way too early. Katie Sackhoff was in it, completely misused and totally wasted in this role. But you know, being she's in Mandalorian, Battlestar Galactica, Riddick, Longmire. A lot of good stuff. Oh, but yeah. She was just, I mean, no. she was maybe it was just that she was kind of green at yeah, the time no, and absolutely. still kind of new. But I love movies that like showcase like someone before they get super famous. Like, I mean, she was already yes. kind of like doing stuff, but like, I love watching people who aren't touched by that huge fame yet and how they act in a role when they think that no one's watching. I love that. I love those movies where. Uh, it's it's like uh, it's like Tom Hardy in Rock and Rolla, like he was not famous. Like even in Layer Cake, like he was not famous. Like I mean, he was a model, but like he didn't care. And it was like this: you didn't have to worry about so many people looking at you. Like obviously, when Tom Cruise right. does a movie, he knows that millions of people is going to watch him, and that's part of like what gets him going. But no, I actually enjoyed watching Katie Sackhoff in this. I hated the character. I mean, I hated almost every character in the movie. Just of how they're written, yeah. But it was—it's really cool. Like, it's really cool to see people that you know you've seen them now, nineteen years later, in so many different things, and you—you you can kind of like go back in time. Because that's why I like movies. Yeah. I really do. Because you can literally just watch something that was made at that time and try and pretend that you're in that time frame. Well, they're a time capsule, but. The casting is another thing that kills this movie, though. Buster Rhymes, like, who in their right mind thought Buster Rhymes was the best person in the world to get to play one of your basically two main leads in this film? Like, who no, thought? I'm like, I, 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 
I just, like, I'm not, I'm not going to straight insult him. Like, I think it's cool that there was someone to stand up to Michael. Like, I, I like those kind of standoff moments where there's like hope. Like, there's a little bit of uh, attention with your unkillable monster with someone who thinks that they're an immovable object. So I think that's cool, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's completely stupid. I don't, I don't know why. And he's, it's too. Like when people use the word campy, I think it's very overused. His portrayal is just very extra, but that's who he is. Like I don't think that he can really help. Like once, once you're like a musician, like he is, and and you're always like an MC, you're always hyping yourself up. I don't think you can really turn that off. And no, it, no. it kind of hurts when you're trying to pretend to be something else. I don't, I don't know. Again, it's those roundtable meetings. I don't know who was making decisions and was like, you know what this movie needs? It needs more Buster Rhymes. And they're just <laughs> right. Going, yep, I can get behind that. Write the check. It's just right. <laughs> I just don't understand. But yeah, I mean, like he's just he rubs me all sorts of wrong ways, and like, and I don't mean that as a slight to him. I just mean in this movie, like. I, I, yeah, he, he's just horribly miscast in this movie. With, but anyway, his character, Freddie Harris, I mean, this is the gist of the story. He's running a show called Dangertainment, which I also think is very lazy, lazy writing. Dangertainment, like, come on. But, you know, he's having an expose, you know, at the Michael, Michael Myers house. This whole supposed to be real, you know, when riding off the coattails of, uh, you know, reality shows in the early 2000s. Again, you know, this is 2002. So, you know, they're setting up webcams and they're putting in a bunch of college students into this place. You know, and pr- pretending like it's real. Like, there's even a couple of points when his, uh, you know, his, his right hand, Tyra Banks, playing Nora, who is also completely ra- wasted in this role. She's a great actress, and she plays a great character, but she's just totally wasted. I mean, they don't do anything with her. But they they even say, you know, that, you know, they're, they're sending things up. You know, he dresses up as Michael. He's going to go in and scare these kids. You know, and the kids are throwaway characters. You got Thomasy and uh, Nicholas, who plays Bill, who's basically just a creeper. He just wants to see girls with their shirts off. He's trying to convince the girls to take their shirts off. Dude, you got yeah. the the amount you know, of harassment in the movie. Like obviously, like again, it's it's like they're connected. Horror movies and just sleaze balls. Like the, you have to make a character be super uh, aggressive and just touchy. And it's just like I. It, I forgot how movies were made before, and it was like, it's like, uh, it's like a checklist. It's like you have to have a horny teenager, and then like the, uh, just the handsy, the handsy people. And it's just like, dude, like, why is that a thing? But it's it. I, I hate saying it, but it was like commonplace, like around this time frame and before. It's like, oh yeah, that, that was the. I'm mean, not saying this right, but it just was. Like that was the ingredients of a cliched horror movie, and I really think again, it's like a fan, a fan film. It's like they, they went by the paint by numbers algorithm. It was like, okay, well, this is what we need. the The final girl needs to do this. The killer does this. Like it's, oh my god. But yeah, I forgot again those small details, and it's just like, you literally basically- don't know these people. You're in a murderer's home. You're on camera. So you're literally being broadcasted, touching someone's butt, and being a sleazeball. Like <laughs> it's just all of it was just like not right. making sense to me. 
Well, he's basically playing an extension of his character from uh, American Pie. You know, uh, or uh, it's. it's... I, I did that too. We were talking about people like doing other movies, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's in this movie. Or like, I recognize yeah. him. Like, yeah. like, I recognize him as soon as he came back on, but I'm like, I haven't watched this movie since it came out. Now, I own the, the Blu-ray box set that has everything in it all the way through the, the Rob Zombie movies. I had watched every single movie in this box set. Now, this being, that being said, I had watched every movie but this one and part five. This mo- the, Halloween Resurrection and Halloween 5 are my two least favorites. Now, now I did watch Halloween 5 last year. Uh, during October for, you know, we do a 31 days of, of, you know, Halloween month, you know, and we watch at least one horror movie a day. And I'm like, I got to watch this. I'm like, I can see if I remember it as badly as I do. And Halloween 5 has actually aged better for me. Like, I like it a little bit better, you know, over the years. This movie, I, I couldn't, I didn't think I could like it less. I, I kind of have an opinion of, uh, like... Again, for the audience that are maybe younger, if you don't remember what TV is, uh, you didn't have control over what came on. And you know, networks like TNT and CBS and USA and all these like other like networks, Halloween Five was like, for some reason, the one that they played over and over and over again. So I'm kind of like um, jaded on it. Like I really like it, but there's a lot of pieces in that movie that. I guess I'm just tired of. So I usually always think of that movie with, I never want to watch it again. Cause I've already seen it like a million times. Yeah. But it's like, I liked part four. I liked part four a lot. You know, I was 12, 13 years old when those movies came out, you know, and I, like four, I remember I liking part four a lot. <laughs> like I like, I oh, hate yeah. how Mike looks in almost every one of these movies. Like the mask sometimes is good. Like Halloween one and two, it looks really good. God, it just, Four, I think four through all of them until Rob Zombies. They, I hated the masks. They looked awful. Like especially in this movie, the hair and like just the stupid eyebrows. Like it's just oh my god. Again, it's a fan, it's a fan film. Well, the it's bushy not, hair. Oh my god, it's just, just the so bushy awful. hair, and it look it looks like a big like. It's like puff. an F. It's like it's like someone slicked back. It's like it's like in those three years on his sabbatical, he grew out his hair. He's going through a hippie phase, and he just like slicked it back with some sweat or whatever. Like it just, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. Again, multiple people signed on this movie and said, "Yep, that's good enough." <laughs> like, I just don't understand. Yeah, it just it, you know you keep saying um, fan film, but what I feel like it, it feels like it does it feels like a half fan film, a half straight to video movie actually it, it, it's straight to video caliber i got a way to describe it you know because i mentioned kill bill you know how quentin in his movie universe he has movies that are inside his movies that maybe his characters or other films watch like the, that kind of thing this could yeah. be a michael myers movie inside the michael myers like how scream has was it blade or what's what's uh stab what what was that? Sta- yeah, it was stab. Yeah, it's the same thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Like in my brain, I'm gonna disconnect. I'm gonna disassociate and say that this is a movie like that they would make inside like a mockumentary about the serial killer, like how we have now with like uh, um, oh, now I can't Richard Ramirez and stuff. Like this is a movie about them, but it's inside the universe, so it's 
it's like garbage. Like it's awful. Like it's it's made that way. <laughs> that's that's yeah. that's what I'm. It's just it's that movie within a movie. You know. It, yeah. But everything about it from this point on, once they get into the house, I mean, like you 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 have you know the the sleaze bag character. You have the kind of slutty character. You have the final girl character. You have the the stoner characters. You know, but really the only character that I liked was the character that Sean Patrick Thomas plays because he's a cook, you know, and I'm, I'm a cook, you know, professionally cook slash chef, you know, I liked his character. Like when they get into the house and they really start picking things apart and they got their webcams, you know, their helmet cams on and they're looking through the house and he's like, Oh man, how old this stuff must be. And he opens up some fennel or some thyme or something like that. And he smells it. He's like, this stuff is fresh. That's when they start realizing things are being set up, you know, by Freddie and his crew. I, I, I did like that. So that's where probably half of one of my stars come from. <laughs> like, it was, it was a good thing. Cause it's like a callback. Cause again, later in the movie, for whatever reason, fennel thrown into Michael's face is a deterrent, <laughs> which is again, <laughs> whatever, who, who wrote this movie is just, wow you have balls but like uh it's ah there's just so much in this movie that again it's like it's hand feeding you specific things and you could have cut out a lot of the movie and also maybe put some more in uh focus on maybe some other things but yeah i mean i liked his character i actually like him as an actor um but me too it's it's just one of those things and like with with him um like save the last dance came out before uh resurrection and you know you always want like the the hot commodities or the people who are um uh the 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 buzzword people that are with him young up and comers you know but like yeah i really I, i enjoyed him as an actor but again it's how the characters are written that really just annoys me because I mean they, they're limited to what they can do. But well, speaking of being limited, the, our main character Sarah, uh, I forgot I didn't write her in the last name down. I just wrote down Moyer. her first name, Moyer. Moyer, yeah. Uh, but the the actress who plays her, Bianca Cagelet, couldn't scream. That she was that she's completely uh, unable to like efficiently scream. So they had to dub her. Whoever yeah. dubbed her screaming was good. I'll, I'll give it another half a point for that. Yeah, and I I tried to actually find uh, some context with that. So just just to like extrapolate that that detail. So apparently within the mythos of of this movie, Bianca, how it's written, how it's written online is that she was unable to scream for the movie. So so her all of the screams, the loud shrieks that she had they, they have to be uh, ADR'd into but I don't know what that means exactly like d- did she not have the power that the executives wanted or maybe was she sick like did she have problems was she hoarse like there, there, there's not right. like really an explanation because right. it sounds really dumb like I, I, don't, I don't mean to say dumb like there's a lot of uh, physical things that people might not have the ability to do and who knows what her medical history could be in the past but like i would just like hopefully when things are written about details like that maybe add a little bit more background like i just uh, i felt left with kind of like a disappointed like i should know more 
about this. If this is, if like, this did is, she uh, just get over laryngitis or something, or you know, did she have yeah. vocal cord damage and is unable to like, you know, put her vocal cords under that kind of strenuous activity? Yeah, it, it left it left me with questions like, why? Why couldn't she scream? I don't know. Well, to even just say that, um, I I hate her character. I did not understand why she was put in the movie because there wasn't um i mean obviously there was emphasis on her to be the last girl like the stereotypical whatever but like there was no context as to why like technically all of them are the last people like i didn't there was no um highlight there's no exclamation mark on her character yeah, it just like it why just should was. i care so you know, there, there there was no reasoning behind it. I did not like her character either. Now, not saying I didn't like her acting, but they, get, like you said, they gave us no context. There was no reason. We're just supposed to buy right off the bat, like, oh, she's kind of the new Lori. And the relationship that she has with, uh, oh, what's the character's name? Miles? Or that uh, he calls himself Deckard? When he thought he yeah. was being all, like fucking kitschy and stuff calling himself <laughs> deckard from yeah. from blade runner a real there's a lot of easter eggs in this and you know and you and i have talked you know about movies and things we both love the easter eggs uh the easter well, eggs I mean, in this movie sucked balls they exactly. sucked they completely just sucked balls and there's, uh, there's a difference like i think i think when when you add easter eggs and uh, 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 sorry when you add easter eggs in a movie there's a there's a love for it like you're doing it because you're trying to show appreciation for something and then there's easter eggs where you're trying to blatantly do call outs like you're doing it to look cool or to uh to show how like street you are like oh like look how many things i know and like having the writer be really like kitschy yeah i mean that's a good word i can't think of a better term for it but yeah some of these are like really heavy-handed and obvious i mean what you're it's supposed to be but Maybe I'm not describing it the best way, but yeah, they're, they're just lacking. Oh, I get it. I agree with you. I mean, the Miles character, is a, he's very useless, and not only is he kind of useless, he's a creeper, you know, and he, he's just... I exactly, mean, he's, he's lying. He's just making, like, bad people to be, it's okay. Like, it's just normalizing. Again, the, the harassment, like, the sexual conduct that's in this movie that's, like, improper, that's not okay. Like, stop making it... Like, oh, that's just yeah, stop normalizing this shit, right? It's so stupid. But he, he's there. He's there as only to guide Sarah's character along and to text her and email her like, Michael is still in the house. He's still alive. Go upstairs. You know, run. You know. <laughs> well, so there's two things I'd like to add to that. Just, just as like a, like a for instance, like number one. Again, this is 2002. Internet is awful. There's no way that the lag that they're going through was quick enough for her to actually know where Michael was. Like number one, that's oh, just realistically. No, no. I'm I'm picking that apart. I don't care if that's there, there was there was no such thing as Wi-Fi back then. Yeah, you know, Wi-Fi wasn't yeah. as readily available as it is today. Exactly. Like, how was she connected to the internet? Or maybe it was like him talking through the computer was a service that they paid for whatever all of that doesn't make sense the other part is like it never established where they were in relation to each other like when you're supposed to have that connection with a character and a love interest especially if it's a long distance relationship how this was described again he's lying to her he's 
using a false name. Yes, it's a chat room. That's fine. But like if they're like somewhat talking every day and they still don't know each other's first names or whatever. But like you could have had at least show a distance, like why he couldn't go there in person and help her or save her. Like just none of that was really explained. And you don't have I mean, obviously, it's building a sense of tension because it's a horror movie. Obviously, we're meant to care that Sarah might die and the love that Deckard has for her, whatever. But there was no geography. There was no sense of, like, this was the only way that he could help her. It was just kind of right. You know, were they in the same town? Were they the same county or even the same state? You know, was, were they in California, uh, and you know, was he in California, and her and L, you know, uh, Louisiana? Who knows? I mean, it and just... then even then, it doesn't matter. Again, I'm splitting hairs for things and just trying to make sense of some stuff. But like, I think of those things. So I mean, it's like every movie's different, and some things are left to just be open ended or whatever. But like, there's a lot of details there that they could have made this movie better, in my opinion, or at least made more of a connection if we need to care about Sarah cuz I didn't I didn't give a shit about Sarah cuz all the other people died like I cared more about Donna I feel uh than than the rest of them because like I mean again they're all stupid and horny and again yeah the drugs they had to have some drugs in the movie <laughs> just like yep, they, they, they had to like smuggle a bong in and do be doing bong rips when they're you know yeah, it's it's all very again like a, a, a I wrote down here very lazy. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like the the fact that you know one of our uh, our stars, the star power they had in this movie, because the star power was Jamie Lee. Boom, they bump her off in the beginning. Our other star power is Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks. Tyra Banks disappears what thirty minutes into this movie, and we don't even know what happens to her. For another good 30, 40 minutes later until Sarah runs in to where they had their little base camp set up. And, yeah. you know, basically Tyra Banks is reduced to, uh, you know, a big puddle of blood that she falls into. Her death, I mean, yeah, every once in a while in a slasher movie, you got to have a death that happens off off camera because somebody has to find the body later hanging in a closet or something like that. Yeah. But it was just like, okay, you're, you're not even going to have your star power. you like die on camera. I mean, it just seems so. Yeah, And you're on the poster. Like, I mean, you should have a little bit more screen time. I mean, it, you know, that's gotten more modern now. We're just thinking of like Jared Leto and suicide squad and you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. But, that's just, I call uh, that the old bait and switch. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, that's, I would just say that that's, what Hollywood is. I'm sure that's been done for the last 60 some odd years, but like, um, yeah, like what was left on the editing floor? Like, obviously they were most movies around that time. Like, like I know, um, like uh, going back to like, uh, Lord of the Rings, I know that when stuff like that was going on, directors at that point in time had to pay to have a movie longer than I think two hours long, something like that. I, I may be like misquoting it, but like they had to, because it technically wasn't allowed. Because like it was, there was like a structure, like a format that you had to have these movies in. And if you went over, you were basically like going against the rules of like the Motion Picture Association, different stuff. So I know mm-hmm. like when they have editing and they cut stuff out, they're trying to like fit inside that small box that every other movie has to be in. And then eventually people started 
saying, well, screw that. I want a three hour movie and then I want a three and a half hour movie and stuff. But I know when you're editing, like, damn. I mean, like you said, there's the effect. Like you need some people to die off screen. That way you can have that jump. That way the audience doesn't know what's going to happen. But damn it. Yeah, Tyra was barely in the movie. And again, I don't give a shit. Like you have to give me something to uh, link to. Like if if you're going to keep killing these people, at least make me have some sort of investment into what's going on. Have a connection with this character somewhat so you feel a a loss when they're gone. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, there's nothing like that. But then, you know, like the emphasis they had on Freddy's character with Buster Rhymes' character uh, being a kung fu guy and being into kung fu. You know, they have him watching kung fu uh, in, in his hotel room to be found by Sarah later on. So he's got that, ooh, it's my boy. I love, you know... Chung Lee or who at uh, this to have him bust out some Kung Fu karate moves on Michael later on when he's talking trash. Like I kind of like the idea of somebody like you were saying earlier of somebody talking trash to Michael, you know, in the face of this immovable object, you know, you know, <laughs> when it's a, you know, he's clearly a freight train being, you know, uh, Michael is, you know, a freight train being met by a Tonka truck. Which is Buster Rhymes. Buster still, you know, beats his ass with a, a spin kick that sends him out the window like he's Superman. Yeah, and if that's, I, that's I, the I'm thing just I dumbfounded. Com- that's the thing I commented on of like, you're supposed to set up rules for these legendary characters. And sometimes you break them because of plot. I get that. Uh, it, but man, they just do whatever they want. Like the 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 movie is centered around a house. It's a finite area. The doors are locked. You barely have any other set pieces. There's no, the, all the action happens in this house. It's a two story house with a basement. A basement that may be larger than it, it needs to be. Like you know, obviously you can you can expand the square footage of a movie. Like, you know, you, you can't you can't see the blueprint of the house, but it's a house like the whole movie happens in this place and it feels like they're just going in circles. And to have yeah. that fight scene happen even before that, because like there's these weird moments where Michael chooses to like throw people instead of stabbing them and killing them like that happens in a lot of movies where the big bad guy is like laying waste to everyone. Death, death, one strike kills. But then decides because there's plot armor to like push someone away and just throw them up against the wall. It's like I'll kill you later. But yeah, to have the the mix match of having Buster Rhymes be a a, a badass character. I mean, j- uh, argument aside, within the movie, he he's not afraid. Like, I mean, number one, he doesn't like. <sighs> He's disrespectful to go into the house, number one, to make a show about the movie, like about the life of Michael Myers, whatever. But like then he's in front of him mm-hmm. and he's like, OK, we'll throw down. Let's do fisticuffs like that's awesome. Even if it's written into the movie, just looking at it, you know, trying to have respect for the movie. It's just like, yeah, he stood up to Michael Myers. That's badass. But then literally having and I want to comment Michael Myers is puny. In this movie, he's very tiny. He's very small. 
Like compared He's to all the other suits, at all. Yeah. No. And like his jumpsuit doesn't fit. <laughs> like his mechanics outfit <laughs> is very <laughs> ill-fitting. But he literally looks like, like five very baggy. Seven. Yeah. And he's like 180 pounds. So he doesn't look like a normal Michael. Again, fan film. I don't think this is just not real. But yeah, he just kicks him out of the window like he's a, a damn trash can. Like, like, nope, kicked you out. So. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, I, I know they tried to also expand upon, you know, the Michael Myers mythos when they get into, they find that basement. You know, the sub-basement, you know, like. All right. This is supposed to be, you know, 2002. It's, you know, uh, how many years? It would see 22, 20, it'd be like 42 years after the fact, of the, the, after the, the first one. Nobody has investigated this house to the point, including the police or including, oh, just urban people, you know, like urban ex- explorers and has found this basement in the sub basement nobody has found it and this is where michael has supposedly been hiding for three years and eating rats and well pinning I'd up like pictures to, of laurie strode on the wall i'd like to answer that with the ineptitude of most of the police in these movies so absolutely i think that they just went no nah, it's empty all right go ahead and tape it up it's done like I don't, think, <laughs> good I don't think that there's too many good police officers in these movies. <laughs> there's like one smart one, and then he gets distracted and then killed. All the other ones are stupid. So I, th- I think within the fictional Haddonfield, I absolutely think they're just like, yep, it's uh, it's got cobwebs on it. Let's just go ahead and, you know, and then not do anything with it, not destroy it, not. Why is it still there? Like I just don't. They could have completely ramshackled that place so yeah i think haddonfield is just a bunch of uh lazy stupid people who just mind their own business and that's why so many people die from michael myers every <laughs> every halloween so yeah yeah good point good point uh yeah late people are lazy and people are, are like again if, stupid. if this was a real place no one would live there people would move away like if he if michael myers only kills in haddonfield like literally just drop the population down <laughs> and he just goes there. And he's like, well, there's no one here. There's no one I can kill. Okay. There's stuff like that. That's just like in a real world scenario to be like, well, I guess I have to migrate. Uh, let me go over to New Jersey. Then I'll start killing there. So. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Because, you know, nobody would stick around in Haddonfield and it would, that town would definitely be empty on Halloween. You know, or they'd be, still be like, trick Listen, or treat. Kids are still trick or treating. <laughs> Stop it! Like, yeah, you're, you're just welcoming shit at that point. Oh, I don't know where we can go with this movie from this point. I mean, we bad casting, bad acting, uh, bad kills. I mean, the effects are bad. When Katie Sackhoff's character Jen, whose last name is Danzig, by the way, Jen Danzig, <laughs> like, oh, you're trying hard here. Swinging for the fences, are we? But when her when she gets decapitated, it's a horrible decapitation. Well, it's not a great effect at all. I think there's pieces. Like again, we've been trashing this movie, but like I do want to give like a little bit of kudos. Like her her uh, duplicate head looked really good. Like the when it fell down the stairs, like that that looked pretty cool. I liked with uh, like Sean Patrick Thomas being stuck to the door and then Michael walking through the door. That was hilarious. Like that looked awesome. Like 
but yeah, some of the other stuff it's just eh. It's 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 like it's like they painted themselves in a corner and was like, well, I guess he'll kill them on rebar. It's it's not it's like they're not working backwards. Like thinking of the deaths and how it fits with what should be done. Like I just felt like Michael's bored in this movie. Like number one, he didn't know that people were going to be at his house. Like for for whatever reason, people keep messing with his house. They don't have they haven't learned to stop messing with his house. So he like he killed his family. He's done. His mission is finished. He just wants to go back home and like I guess maybe crack open a beer and eat another rat. Like I don't know what he does, but like. Then he's like, oh, well, people are, you know, going in my to house. Disneyland, I guess I have you know? to kill them. But I get it. they're just, yeah, they're boring kills. Like, it just doesn't, he's they're annoyed. Un- it's like yeah. he finds people just hanging around his house. Like, I, I didn't invite you here. Get out. And he just kills them as, as efficiently as possible. And he's so slow. This is like the slowest Michael is ever in a movie. And he's in a house. He's literally just walking in a house. And he can't, like, crow hop. To someone, he literally was just like, "Nope, all the doors are locked. I'll eventually get to you." It's just very lazy, very lazy right. movie. Yeah, maybe Michael was just getting old, you know. Maybe he had a little bit of arthritis. Who knows? <laughs> he got bad but, knees. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he doesn't have a health plan. You know, <laughs> Smith Grove. Smith Grove. He fucked all that up. You know, nobody's going to be like, his doc. Like in this movie, like how old is Michael technically in this uh, sequel? Well, if he was supposedly born in 57, he would be, what, uh, 45? Yeah, he's old. Yeah, he's probably he's older. I mean, I'm 44, and I know how bad my knees are, and I've gotten less mileage out of them than Michael, I can guarantee and, yeah, that. you Yeah, haven't, you haven't fallen out of buildings, been burnt, shot, stabbed, poked in the eye. <laughs> you, you're, you're looking pretty good compared to him. Yeah. Even with all my health problems, I've been cut up on a lot less than Michael, <laughs> you know. Oh, but yeah, I just, you know, I think the the worst thing about this movie is one it's again, I've I've, I've we're, we're cutting this movie off at the knees, you know, but it, it's filled with a bunch of characters that I just don't care about. And if you don't have at least a character, at least your you know, your final girl or your your your, your Anybody, your hero, your heroine, anybody that you care about. It had no Loomis. You killed off Laurie Strode. Jamie Lloyd was long gone by this point. I mean, everything was just very, it was just, like you said, it was a paint-by-numbers fan film straight-to-video movie that somehow made it, you know, as a major, you know, nationwide theatrical release. And Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I can't can't pick on it anymore. I I feel like I've been a bully (laughs) this entire time, you know, and I... I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to give my honest review of it, you know, I mean, because that's what we do here, whether we love films or hate them, you know, we're giving them an honest, an honest review, but I I feel like I can't pick on it anymore. I mean, other than, I I will say this also, this is not the last, last uh, stab, no pun intended, that I'll take at it, is the ending. The ending is so just... Horrible, and it's a horrible effects. This is where the, the effects were really bad. The, the melted mask that when they, you know, opened up the body bag and Michael is all, and the mask is all melted to him because he's been electrocuted and set on fire. And it looked really bad. It looked like a bad, like, Dollar General 
you know, pseudo impressionistic, you know, Michael Myers mask. It didn't look like something that a professional studio had done. It, well, it just I mean, takes me out of it. It takes me completely out of it. It's just other stuff too. Cause again, there were parts of this movie I didn't remember. And yeah, the ending it's again, Haddonfield is full of idiots. So we have the people wheeling in the body bag of Michael Myers. So number one, this is what the eighth movie in the series. Yeah, was a, the eighth movie. Yeah. How many including times? Two O at the time. This would be number eight. Yeah. So like he's he's been murdered a bunch of times. He's been put into the morgue, whatever. And you literally just wheel him in and go, nah, you got a celebrity. Good luck. And then she's the only person in the room, and they just like peace. They're out. It's so stupid. Like I just don't understand the placement of what they're doing and then just have that again cliched you open your eyes sting music boom uh, he's still alive obviously like well no shit he's michael myers like did you really think that i th- think he was dead so i just don't it didn't look good yeah i agree i just i but you you mentioned like like when it came out and i just i already had it up like it the movie had a budget of 13 million and opening time when it was released, they didn't make thirteen million back. They made like twelve point nine million or whatever. And wow. uh, I mean, overall, I mean they they made some money, I guess, like for for gross, whatever. But it was not good. It was not well received even back then. But yeah, the ending is literally the encapsulation of the whole movie. It's literally the stupid people wheeling in Michael, thinking that he's dead for the eighth movie, with one person operating in the morgue at the time going, well, I guess I'll just unzip it and look at him, and then he's alive. And it's just like, well, that could have been the whole movie, because it's just, you know, everything else was a waste. So I'll pick on this movie till I die. Watching this again, I just felt mad for the people who made the movies in the first place. Like, like it's movies like this that I think John Carpenter thinks about and why he hates some of, like, his legacy. Because I know he's tagged with this movie. Like, I know he didn't even really do anything with it, but it's, like, synonymous with him. So, like, I know well, that yeah, even when he's... His name is always going to be synonymous with every Halloween movie that comes out. Because, it, you know, from the characters to the music, they're writing off his legacy, uh, you know, yeah. and what he started. It's like him, the, uh, with him and Deborah Hill started. It's like the, and, the the Hellraiser movies that were made without Clive Barker's permission and stuff, and he just he just hates them because they're not his vision. It's like the same thing. So I feel bad that these this is out, and the people who were basically behind the whole thing to get it started have to watch it and have to answer questions or, or know that it's there. So I feel bad for them, but like. Man, this movie is garbage. But I still gave it a two. Yeah. I didn't give it a one. I gave it a two. So. Yeah. Well, I guess you know, that, that's when we know where you stand. I, I, you've given your rating a two on a scale to ten. I'm not that far off from you. I give it a one and a half. I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't give it a full two. I, just, uh, I give it a one and a half, and that's about as generous as I can be. You know, uh, And I don't even know where those points originate from. I think it's... <laughs> you know, a couple of cool little 
tidbits here and there gives it a half a point and it's a complete completed film you know they managed to start a film and, and complete it and it gets a point for that but yeah one and a half I, I can't I can't give it any more than that I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, and I, I hate that I kind of skipped over it in my own head. I do, I do want to give appreciation for, like I mentioned, how many cameras are in this movie because everything's kind of like you got body cams, and every character that's in the house has their own camera. I know this was a nightmare to edit and to put together and just to compile, and it's still a cohesive story. So they did well with what they had. Like you can still, you're like you're not lost. Um, the geometry of the house works. Like I know the cutting back and forth between like the first floor, the second floor, all the bedrooms. Like they did well with that. So there's still some like um, some factors that are redeemable in some way like the function of the the jobs that a lot of the people had in this movie so kudos to the editors for real like no sarcasm because i don't even know how many cameras there were like how many different things that they had to have on them and then how much like because again just think back to how many sets you and i've been on and just the uh the transition of giving someone the media to put up and to, to be responsible for. And at the end of a shooting day for like Halloween resurrection, they're like, okay, well here's uh here's 40, 40 different things that you have to download and, and keep a hold of. Don't lose yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. So yeah, I might be inclined to like give them an extra point, half a point, you know, to, for editing and whatnot. Now that you put that into perspective for me, because Again, like you said, you know, we've been on uh, multiple film sets and we know how that can be a logistics nightmare. But, yeah, I mean, they didn't make a, a, a semi-coherent movie. They just didn't make a capable, coherent movie. It just, you know, like uh, it's, 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 a, it's a fan film with some straight-to-video flair put out by a bunch of college kids that somehow got a $13 million budget. I don't know where that $13 million went parents like colleges they went to our uh ivy league it's just parents you're like oh you're gonna make a movie okay well have fun i don't know that's what's in my head because i i have to find a pleasant area in my brain for these movies to exist because like there's tons of really good movies that you and i could riff off of and like uh, show appreciation for but then there's like a whole other realm of movies that were just like like mistakes, but for some reason people kept going and that they've released and somehow got distribution and for whatever reason aren't blacklisted from streaming sites anymore. So it's like amazing that some of these movies are still there. And then again, looking back on them, because like $13 million is a lot of money. But nowadays, that's like nothing. That's literally – that's nothing. For some of the bigger movies that we see now, that's probably – 13 million would basically cover trailers and food for people. Not, that's not even like the cameras. That's not even anything related to set design. And definitely not, you know, actor salaries or, or post production costs at all. You think, you know, like the budget on uh, a Lord of the Rings film or a Marvel movie, that would oh, be about two days worth of filming. I looked just because I mentioned it. Two Towers, the budget. Well, I know they. 
it's kind of skewed. So if, please don't, I mean, correct me if you want to on social media. I'm just saying when I Googled it for the two towers, it said 96 million was their budget, but I know they shot all three of them together. So I don't know how that's kind of split up. Maybe it's more, maybe it's not. So don't, don't kill me for that, but yeah, that's that number for there. So 96 million compared to 13, but again, that's a completely different movie. <laughs> that's, that's like, right. How many Oscars did, I don't even want to know. Lord of the Rings is the shit. Yeah, a lot. So that's amazing. <laughs> so whatever. Yeah, c- comparing, uh, you know, Halloween Resurrection and Lord of the Rings is kind of, you know, apples and oranges there. They're not even in the same, not in the same species, you know, of, of films. <laughs> um, I just did a quick inflation calculator. So technically 2002, probably not 2002, I should do 2001, because when this movie was being filmed, uh, $13 million in today's money would be close to $20, $20 million. So again, still nothing. Like, uh, like, wasn't the purge made for ten million, or was that one million? I can't remember. Maybe I'm adding a different zero. Oh, the fir- the first the first purge was made for like something minuscule, like one, maybe two or three at the most million dollars. I I don't think it was very much. So when I, when I'm saying those comments, like make make no mistake, I'm not trying to like uh, riff on people who can't get funding for their movies. Obviously, that's not the point. Like. Blair Witch Project was made with like sixteen thousand dollars, but like, um, it's it's like what you do with it. Like, where did the money go? Because obviously, Jamie Lee didn't even want to do the movie. She's in it for minutes. You don't have really anyone who's a high-paying person to like lead the movie. And then it's the eighth movie in the sequel that's technically already going downhill. Because I mean. I think after five, wasn't it really, really going down? Like, I mean, H2O was kind of, kind of cool because I remember the, the celebratory twenty years kind of uh, marketing campaign that they did, and I really, again, I really enjoyed H2O. I felt like yeah, it had me too. A, um, really good release, but in comparison to everything. Because you and I both know horrors kind of went in a roller coaster of this is popular, now this is not popular. Um, people want to give money to a bunch of horror productions, and now we have like a drought of them. Nowadays, like everyone wants to get on a horror film. So it's really cool. Like I love it, but it's just a flooded – it's the flooded industry of just yeah. a ton of overkill. But Yeah, the, I, the market is severely saturated at this point. Like around – the early 2000s you know we were getting away from y2k everything was going more into personal technology and we were getting more and more inundated with kind of like uh more extreme modernistic plots and stuff so like horror was like going downhill in my opinion again i'm not i'm not a history major i'm not socioeconomic kind of uh, degree or anything but i just a lot of the movies that came out around this time didn't do very well. Like horror wasn't really um, heralded as something like still action and drama was like, that was it. Like people wanted to watch. I I don't even know. I mean, again, Lord of the Rings, that's fantasy that just ruled the world when those came out. 
Yeah, it, it was on a downslope at this point. I think, you know, with H2O, it had the writer from Scream, you know, the Scream movies was in it. So it was kind of within that resurgence of horror. And But by this time, it was on, you know, it was on the downslope again. And, you know, I, th- I think this was uh, this movie can be summed up in two words, cash grab. You know, and uh, they were just trying to make some money. They were they were going off a, a well-known commodity at the time, and they're like, "Can we still milk this thing for a few more bucks?" And you know, of course, they did. I mean, thankfully, you know, and again, some people will, well, a lot of people will disagree with me on this one, but uh, I, I think they did the right thing by rebooting it with Rob Zombie, you know, for the next chapter, and not going with the the idea that uh, Josh Hartnett's character. Uh, of Jamie Lee's son was going to come back for the next one. That was their proposed idea was that he, his character was going to come back and hunt down Michael Myers in retaliation for killing his mother. I think that's was a, a, a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> it had to have been a better movie, but it, 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 it had all the makings of not being a better movie, but I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. I think at the time of letting that original you know, storyline just kind of die off was was the right angle, was the right mode of thinking. Probably, I know but, too. Um, just to comment on that, the cash grab thing. I'm not, I'm not arguing at all. I just want to add some an opinion. I know a lot of times if a trademark isn't acted on, it could go back to being auctioned or at least have the ability for someone else to grab it. So I know a lot of times if a movie is not made or like a, a, a property is not put on an IP that it may, that may be lost. So some movies yes. like this always kind of give that as an excuse. It's not a good one, but it's like, well, we have to make a movie. We have to do something with the character. That way it still is, we have rights to it or we still have the ability to like do stuff with it. So I kind of put this movie in that same kind of realm and it sucks. Cause it's kind of like, um, the video game scenario where like a game has to be put out every two or three years. If it's like, like NBA or call of duty or something, it's like the whole thing of it's the trademark and you have to continue that, that pattern. And then it just waters down everything. Cause it's, it gets, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, meticulous and mundane and it's just over and over again. So, Again, I, I'm completely glad that we have reboots. I know a lot of people don't like them and rehashes and reiterations, but a lot of people don't want to watch movies from 20 years ago. They want to watch movies now. And obviously with the amount of media that we have, it's impossible to watch everything. So you do have to pick and choose what you want. And I kind of get that nowadays because of how easy and access you have to streaming and everything – you don't have to watch some garbage movie from 30 years ago. You can watch the newer one that they just made with updated graphics and 4K and whatever. So I get it. But you and me, we, we still appreciate the older movies. Just maybe not this one. Yeah, yeah, this one, uh, I, 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 can't, I can't appreciate it for anything uh, other than uh, from a kind of a mystery science theater 3000 kind of standpoint of picking on it. it you know, it's just, it's, it's just, really bad. It's real. It's just bad, <laughs> but hopefully, you know, for our next one, 
we'll pick up one. I, I like to alternate on this show. You know, again, this is only the second show we're, we've, we've done on this particular subject of sequels. But I want to concentrate on, you know, like I said, the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of these uh, these kind of movies. I want to, you know, so in the next one, we'll definitely pick... Uh, <laughs> we'll pick one that's more, a little more beloved, hopefully. <laughs> With that being said, I, I feel like I, I'm, I, I've used up every bit of energy I possibly have in picking on this movie. I, I, this must be what it feels like to be an internet bully and picking on uh, a nerdy kid or something, you know. Yeah. Well, that being said, I think we'll we'll call this a close to the evening because I I can't pick on it anymore. You know, being a bully is 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 not my thing, <laughs> and I, I feel I no, feel you're pretty good. white. I'll, I'll wave the white flag to there. That's all good. I'll I'll uh, yeah. I've 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 wasted every bit of energy and resources I got on picking on this. I need to go like you know have a beer and a sandwich and replenish myself. I think. With that being said, I uh, hope this hasn't scared you off to doing another episode of this show because uh, I'd love to have you back on this one and talk about hopefully talk about some uh, you know sequels that we actually do like. No, I love this because again, it it gives more uh, life to some of the movies that are terrible, but it's entertaining. I I like talking about it regardless of. Um, if it's rewarding or not, but I just like talking to you in general. So hopefully uh, our audience enjoyed maybe sharing some of our opinions. Maybe, maybe you didn't uh, and you, you, you love this movie. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any uh, opinions to maybe change our viewpoints of the movie, uh, I'd, I'd be more than happy to have a, a longer discussion about maybe this one or another Halloween movie that you might think is worse than this one. Exactly. So if if you have any opinions out there, please hit either Daniel or I up. We'd be glad to hear them and debate with you to whether or not uh, we agree with you on this movie. Because the movie still made uh, thirty nine million dollars uh, worldwide. So somebody out there liked it. Somebody saw it more than once. And hell, I I, I hate it <laughs> myself, and I I still own a copy of it. So I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Well, that being said, we'll bid you a fond farewell for the evening, folks. And you have been listening to Sequel to Deja Vu, and we have been covering Halloween Resurrection from 2002. Uh, don't be scared off. <laughs> we will cover some more films that we actually do like in the future. And as always, thanks for listening, folks. Treat.